0: Welcome to this bonus episode. I am today missing a Rue and an Anna, but I've gained three special guests. It's nice to talk about news that isn't in Watchtower for once. We're talking today about the recent announcement that 1Password has raised a round of funding in partnership with Acell. We are going to talk about how we got here and why we looked to outside investment. Joining me on the show, I have the karmic compass, the founder of 1Password, the yogic coder, we have Dave Thierre. <laughs> The horsepower that drives OnePassword and the glue, non horse related, that holds the company together. We have Jeff Shiner, the CEO. The brains, the brawn, the other founder, the architect of OnePassword.com. He recommends more books than an Amazon algorithm. We have Rustam Karamov. <laughs> so, OnePassword have recently partnered with Acell to help continue the amazing growth and success we've seen over the last 14 years. Along with an investment of 200 million, the largest ever, SL brings the expertise and experience to help us grow further. Let's take a step back and go back to the beginning. Dave, how did you meet Shiner and Roostum?
1: So Roostum, I I met after I'd left IBM. I went on a consulting gig and uh, we met at World Vision. I was working at IBM. I really enjoyed my time there. I, I actually started there as an intern And it was a a really great time in my life. And at some point in time, I I decided to go out on on my own and and start a consulting company. And I I wound up at Manpower International doing consulting work with Rustom. Looking back, I thought it was really kind of funny now, but it was a really kind of trying time because the contract that I went to actually ended up getting canceled by Manpower. So Sarah was kind of freaking out right away because like, here I am, I I, I leave IBM, you know, a safe, steady job and um i go to a contract that gets cancelled right away but you know at the time i had enough time to to meet roostum and get to know him and found a new place uh, world vision which I, I really enjoyed my time there as well That was, was a great place and at world vision we were looking to expand our team there and i was just like i wonder if roostum's available so i reached out to roostum and thankfully he he was and and, and he came and join me there we actually did a lot of stuff at World Vision. And <laughs>
2: mostly Java based, right?
1: Mostly Java based, mostly Java
2: based. I think the, the most interesting Would part you? about the World Vision though was the lunches.
1: Was the lunches? Was the
2: Thai place. Because I think that basically, in the end, what started Montessor, the Thai place. <laughs> when I joined World Vision, Dave used to have lunches at his desk. I think it was like Burger King.
1: <laughs> I was maybe. not the most healthy back then.
2: Anyway, so I convinced Dave that we need to go and have some lunches outside the office. So and I think that's how we started because during the lunch you could sit and just talk about talk about things and
1: we started thinking about maybe building our own stuff. We did, and at about the same time, Rustem I, I don't know how he got in my head, but just he he started talking about Macs. Like we were all on PCs at the time, and he started talking about Macs. And he was just like these Macs are so beautiful and they're nice and all this type of stuff. And so one weekend I just I just said, screw it, I'm getting one. So I, I went to the store and I bought one and it was a gamble. Cause I was like, if I can get Roostum jealous and he goes and sets things up and we start getting the development environment running there, then great, I'll keep it. And that'll be that. Um, but if I can't get him excited, I'm probably just gonna have to return this within the two week return window, right? Yeah, it uh, certainly
2: worked, it <laughs> certainly worked. <laughs> But those MacBook Pro, that was a Tiger, MacOS Tiger release. Oh, it's yes, and it was a PowerBook. It was a beautiful machine. Wonderful
1: machine. But you see, it had PowerPC processors, and they didn't run Java very well at all. It's actually an interesting point of the story because, you see, we were doing all this Java work, but we fell in love with our Macs, and the Macs didn't do Java development very well. So you see, we started to have like this friction there. And so we... We started to do some Ruby on Rails development and we pretty much instantly became disillusioned with the current work that we were doing. Because like by just by switching languages and technologies and software stack, we were able to de- develop, I don't think it's hyperbole to say, like a hundred times faster. Like it was yeah. so much faster. And so we started looking for work that we could do just with Ruby on Rails. We got to a point where like we didn't really want to do Java development anymore. We, we wanted to do some, some of our own stuff. And honestly, we were, we are both getting a little frustrated because like, everything we created, we were creating it under someone else's direction, someone else's guidelines, and uh, probably worse of all is when you did release it, you never actually got to talk to your actual real-life customers. Well, you never see your customers you at all. Never saw them once, right? At some point,
2: we just came up with this idea that we need an app to help us with web development, so it was supposed to be a short project that we'll, we'll do and then go back to Ruby on Rails. So we, we did this app. And we also tried to sell it because it's pretty easy you set up a web form and so and then I think we get our first purchase within a day. So the first day, maybe even the first hour someone purchased. We upload it to Mac Update and then someone downloaded and bought the app. It's like wow, you could you could actually earn money selling your own software. And I think within the first year we both quit our jobs and focused on one password. How many
0: people did you get to when you started feeling the pain and you were perhaps doing what you weren't interested in like managing managing people when, when did you feel the strain that you you felt like you needed to start looking for you know someone to to take over the reins as as CEO
1: I started to feel the pain after employee number one to be honest <laughs> 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 to be completely honest because like yeah. like pain is too strong of a word but like um, I certainly felt a lot of anxiety after employee number one yeah. like as soon as employee number one was there I wasn't just responsible for making sure that my family got fed and, and Roostum got paid, like which we didn't get paid for quite some time. But uh, like, I was no longer responsible for that. I was responsible for someone else, right? And so that was that was something that, that weighed on my mind quite a bit. It was, it was quite a bit of weight on my shoulders. Well, and also, it's like, you know, we, we did all this stuff, two of us, just for a while. And it's
2: like, you know, do you really want to, like, we could just work a bit harder. I think that
0: that mentality of growth has kind of kept the same where we balance this whole idea of like, okay, I need to, to work a bit harder. And then someone says, no, no, you should definitely hire someone.
2: <laughs> well, I think it works to a certain extent. And there's certain benefit because you try to automate things. You remember uh, at one point, my my son used to do work for us, like certain types of customer emails he would reply to And then but we like, found a way to automate And then we found a way to automate that and he, he was out of a job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Moving on a couple of years we get to like employee number 20?
1: In my memory, it's about 20. Remember, we didn't have any systems, it was just Russo and I. So every time we added a person, it was, you know, there was no onboarding or anything like that, it was just it was just us. We'd, we'd throw them in a deep end and help, help them as much as we could. And at a certain point, I, I think it was around, the, the team was about 20 people, I was not getting any sleep. There was like always a fire of the day. I think it was a leopard or snow
2: leopard release. Not quite snow leopard release, I think, that changed so many, so many things that we had to rewrite Large pieces of one password, and obviously when you do that, you make mistakes, and then some of the features are not there. So people were really upset, and that really drags you down. Like when you get one negative email after another, that really I think our our yeah. support team really burnt out.
1: Yeah, and the and the part that was that was the most distressing is that we knew how to fix it, but you know, we, we needed time to go and, and work on it. But we also needed time to help our customer support team to answer customers, right? Like we were basically doing too many things. So that's when, um, now now we can get Jeff in on the conversation here. Like Jeff and I go way back. We, we worked together at IBM. We got along really, really well. And I just remember the first day I met Shiner, actually, I was a little bit mad at him because I was trying to do some work with my boss. I needed my boss to do something. And Terry Lowe was busy bringing this guy on board, right? And he's like, you know, setting up his desk and all this type of stuff. I'm basically following my manager around trying to get his attention, and uh, he's talking with Jeff, and Terry was just like, yeah, well, we got this We got this uh, issue we're working through, and, it's, and Jeff's like, yeah, oh, I, I, how, how did you say it? You were just like... Um, the difference between an interesting problem and a pain in the ass is the amount of time you have to solve that's it. That's the word you said, and, and so he, he said that to my boss and as they're walking down the hall, and for whatever reason, that just really stuck in my brain, and it was certainly true for what we are going through at the time, like because Apple had upgraded their operating system to introduce a whole bunch of new features that's an interesting problem. Like, it's really fun, because they added some new features that we could use and and all sorts of stuff. So it's it's actually a good thing. But we had no time to be spending on this, so it actually ended up being a a real big pain in the ass. But anyways, Jeff and I quickly became friends at IBM and and went back to Rustem's lunch thing. We would go for lunch pretty much every single day. So at about employee 20, I was just going, I don't want to say I was going crazy because like you know but I wasn't getting any well, sleep we're
2: thinking about downsizing to be honest that was the thought that came to our mind because you know what we can't really sustain this stuff it's like we're just killing ourselves I think we're going to kill some of the products as well yeah we're just gonna slim the product line a bit. right and then basically just you know what just go back and be like much smaller company talk like, of ten I don't know like remove our web store
1: we're going to go just do a Mac App Store but we were also talking about like well we could grow. I'm not sure if we talked that way. We were more like, we need to get a CEO, I guess is how we were talking at the time. We're just like, we need someone where the buck will stop with someone other than me. Because when the buck stops with you, you're always getting pinged for everything. And so I just remembered how great Jeff was at leading the team there. And and, so I was like, maybe we can get Jeff involved. Yeah. Well, at the time, I mean,
3: I was working, because I had left IBM at about, six and a half years earlier as well and I was working in the US at a officially a digital marketing agency but really it was a a consulting company and I had gone from being the architect at the start to where by the end I was actually leading what they called the SPAR leading the the 400 folks in the technology division you know there there was a couple of things that got me really interested about 1Password at the time when you were telling me about it one was sort of that ability to go back to where I could you know, work and grow a smaller company and actually get back hands on again and actually code a little bit, which, you know, we can, we can all question the <laughs> success of that. <laughs> but damn it, it was fun. Good times. Yeah. But uh, but at the same time, I remember how much fun we had, you know, when, when we worked together. So it was, it was an exciting opportunity. I
1: do remember that conversation a bit because I, I hadn't kept up with Jeff. like, And so in my head, he was still, quote unquote, managing like not that many people, right? And so then when we met, I was like, oh, he's like managing like 400 people now. So I was, like, uh, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess you're not gonna be interested because, like, we're only twenty, right? And then Jeff's like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, so he kind of, kind of talked me through uh, like what he, what he just said. He, he would enjoy a lot of this, and he, he would enjoy the building role. Jeff's always been a builder, and it's, it's just great. So we, we definitely needed him on our team, and I feel extremely fortunate that Jeff accepted and came on board. I do remember Risto, because Risto was a skeptical
3: one. Because I'm always, like, I'm going to double the size. I'm going to double the size of the company. I, that's how I think. I always think in doubles. You can go from 20 to 40 to 80. You can double as many times as you want. But I can't think, what am I going to do with 10 times as I can double? And Rusev's asking me, well, you know, how do you manage it when you, when you get to these bigger numbers? And I have a fairly simple philosophy, right, wrong, or otherwise. And it's like, you can talk to, like, 8 people, maybe up to 10 people, like, at most. And so I was just saying how... You know, at my current company, it's like, well, here's the, the folks that I talk to, and then the folks that they talk to. And you just sort of split them up into groups of eight. Or some looks at me and goes, that's it, eh? <laughs> like, just <laughs> complain, just, like, that's your great <laughs> wisdom, groups of eight.
0: <laughs> so, how many years do we fast forward between kind of halfway between then and where we are now? And what kind of growth did you think? we would hit. So
3: I think there there's sort of a couple of key things in there. One, there's a big difference in a team somewhere between forty and eighty or forty and hundred, somewhere in that number. Just sort of the the team has to change in fundamental ways. One which is which is a challenge is when you're small, you have sort of what I call the B plus everybody players. So there's some people on the team that can do anything. You can give them any problem, you can give them an op problem, you can give them a you know, coding problem. You, you can have them, you know, go and write docs. And at some point, what you start to do is you start to say, "Well, now we've got the A plus designer who can design that part, and we've got the A plus ops person, and we've got the Wait, A plus docs person."
2: Dave was not an A plus designer. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I remember had to <it> be close. <laughs> yes, yes. I had a it was blog a, post. It was a stunning icon. <laughs> And so what you start to do is you start to, to, to look at, at the structure then was a good of the company and you start to then say instead of, of, of just having the everybody people, you start to have a design team, you start to have an ops team, you start to have a docs team, you start to have. And I think when you look at it that way, then some structure comes into place that you can have things, like you can help have a person understand that they have a, a career path that's meaningful to them, that they can grow. I think the other completely flip side of it was for us, customer support is always constraining to us. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but we try very hard not to grow faster than we're able to support our customers. That's that's just core to who we are. And so I think there's a, there's been a few times you know, where, where we can just sit there and say, well, we can grow the customer support team to a certain size before we then have to re sort of envision how customer support works for us. And we've done that a couple of times, e- even very recently, just last year, when when our entire focus was, how do we reorganize customer support into groups, into buckets so that we can ourselves in a position where at a company level we can grow again and get customers and make sure we can always support them so i think those are the two things that at least i continue to try and focus on is how do we put ourselves structurally in a position where we can we can grow as a company and then how do we make sure that from a a customer support point of view we're able to support our customers you know to the level that we expect and not only now but as we grow and the really
0: fascinating thing is as we've grown our customers are still kind of the same people but we have a more broad spectrum of them anywhere from you know really technical people to you know now we have the family accounts people that aren't that technical and then we have businesses and some of them are so big that it is really a such a wide selection of people that that we need to support at what stage did you kind of See the customer of One Password like as a as a broad persona. At what point did you see that changing? For
1: the first few years, anyways, we had incredibly technical base. Uh, well, first year, anyways, and then like it just seemed like every year it would become more broad. Like I can't imagine us having any like we just call them big teams because we don't like to divulge company names that as a privacy. But we can divulge one. We can divulge one. And I think that's pretty exciting that both of you
2: worked at IBM, and now IBM is one of our biggest customers.
1: That is pretty cool. I, I, I feel really, really good about that one. Um, but uh, IBM, like if IBM wanted to use us like years ago, we would have just said, go away. Like we, we can't help you. But that was uh, Jeff's vision there. He really pushed us hard in, into the B2B space. And you know, one of my main reasons I would resist is just we didn't have the people to do it, but Jeff had had the vision there of like how to grow the teams so that we could actually support these large companies. It was interesting
3: to see because I remember, I'm going to say six years ago, and I'll probably be wrong, but somewhere around then, we started to see businesses buying 1Password for their employees as a gift. And so we would, we would see different companies that come along and they say, hey, we, we want to you know, make sure our folks are protected online. We'd like to buy everybody a copy of 1Password as a Christmas gift or, or whatever. Then we started to see that subtly change where, where then they're, well, we want to see all our employees have good password habits, so let's buy them all a copy of one password that they can have individually to, to help them with their password habits. And I think that's really important to understand. Like, I, Everybody here hears my Fluffy Cat story, but it's so true. If you're sitting there at work and all of your accounts at home are protected with password Fluffy Cat, like, what do you think you're using at work? You're using Fluffy Cat. Now maybe your company's got some sort of you-must-have-a-number so it's fluffy Cat 2 <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's still Fluffy Cat 2 Maybe it's Fluffy <laughs> underscore cat2, but it's, that's what humans do. These companies understood that they had to have their people protected, and we've taken that now sort of to the extreme with the business accounts, where with each business account, like we give everybody the free family account for the same reason, right? It's important that, that you protect yourself at work, but it's also important that you protect yourself at home And and honestly, it's important that you just make sure that those are are kept separate so your home stuff's at home and your work stuff's at work. But it was really nice to see. I will say the other big change that I saw was the Sony hack. There's been a, a number of notable breaches over the years, but the Sony hack, I think, was one that I still hear referred to today by a lot of people where, you know, just people knew you should be doing something better with passwords. They weren't quite sure what, but they knew. And then all of a sudden the Sony hack came and, and that got picked up by so much of just sort of the regular press that people started to think, oh, like th- this isn't just the person sitting in the ops department that needs to protect themselves. It's, it's everybody. And to me that, that I saw a big change where everybody, not just the technical folks really understood they needed to do something. So
0: if we jump forward to today, and essentially what, you know, what we're announcing and, and this kind of huge milestone in, in 1Password history. What do you think this means for, for 1Password and what does this enable us to do?
3: To me, the most exciting thing, it, it, it's somewhat almost like that, that 20 story from my point of view, right? We're, we're back there again, where you know, we're all working ourselves to death. You know? I, I don't know that that will ever change, but we are. But we need some outside experience. We know how to build a great product. We know how to support our customers, and and those two things we'll do to death. But when we look at, you know, how to grow, you know, on the sales side, when we look at how to grow on, on even on the marketing side, on the partnership side, you know, we can struggle through on our own, but we can really make a lot bigger strides if we get somebody who's done that before, who's helped other companies before, who's worked with 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 companies and they can show us that direction. And I think as we go sort of deeper and deeper in, into the B2B space, it's those partnerships and it's that sort of, that's where we can really use the help. And that's really where, you know, a cell can come in as a partner and, and, and really help push us forward.
2: I think it's just, there are a lot of things that we don't know. Like that's what we find out, like there's a ton of this, like so much unknown. And we certainly will learn that, and we'll, we'll obtain that knowledge and experience at some point, but it would be nice to have some help there. Roostum's
1: well. been pushing me for quite some time, maybe not pushing, but like craving, like outside perspective. You're constantly working on your own thing, and you're not really paying attention to everything that's going on around you because you got your head down. And so Rusev and I talked about that quite a bit for many years now. That's the other aspect that, that really excites me about bringing Arun and his team on board is, uh, well, they think differently for one, but they also have a much broader perspective than we do, so it's, it's, it's going to be very helpful. The thing is, like these are
3: fascinatingly experienced people. They know everyone, they've seen it all, and, and so, yeah, I mean, almost from day one, I will listen to almost anyone. You know, and so... If we look at the VCs and you know even Arun in particular, uh, Arun from a, a Cell, I always sort of start off with, look, we're not looking for funding. We, you know, we're profitable. We're not just looking for 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 funding. But I am always sort of interested in the proverbial one plus one equals three. Like, is there something we can do together that we can't do on our own? And it was probably six years ago. It was many years ago that I first met Arun. You know, we had coffee and we talked and. And I was impressed by their portfolio, but again, nothing ever came out and I did this with 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 a large number of companies. I always tried to be you know straightforward with them We just don't need funding that's not you know that's not the end goal this here is just to take some money and so I go to Dub, Dub. I think almost every single year and it was this year at Dub, Dub that I went out again. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to catch up with Arun again. We had caught up probably two or three times over the years. You know, I went to him and I talked and, and of course, one of the big difference, of course, we, now and six years ago is now we're pretty heavy into B2B. we got 50,000 paying businesses. You know, this, this was very different than it was six years ago. And there's things we don't know how to do. There's things we've been trying to do, right, from a marketing point of view, a press point of view. And he started... Just introducing us to a bunch of really smart people, you know, at companies that, that we know and, and and we use and folks that are in this role, you know, head of product, head of sales, uh, head of HR and all sorts of things. And, and again, folks with brilliant stories and brilliant understandings of, of, of how to do things. Uh, the one that stuck out, you know, we were talking to the, to the, to the one person, they said, you know, When you have these features, and we have them all the time, we have a feature that that a customer will request, and they said, you know, instead of trying to figure out how many times a customer requests it and, and do it, actually ask the customer if they'd be willing to spend some of their time, not even their money, just some of their time. Would you be willing to spend a half an hour of your time over the next, you know, per week, over the next five weeks to help us understand what this feature actually should be, what, what should really be in there? Because if a person's willing to spend their time, and if you can get five or six of these folks to spend their time on that, that's truly valuable. It means it's really needed. So we had these discussions, and and I got really excited, you know, and they've also had uh, companies like Qualtrics and Atlassian, which, which we know, you know, and these are also companies that, to me are very similar to ours they've been profitable for a number of years before they, they went and raised funds and they raised funds not because they needed the money but because again they wanted to grow faster and 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 in ways that they just couldn't do that themselves and so i kind of went running back to dave and rustum and sarah natalia and said you know hey i think there's an opportunity here and then i think uh i'd love to hear from from you guys sort of how how you perceived that as we we went forward
2: yeah i think when i spoke to excel arun and and the team i think they did quite a bit of work before they spoke to us so they did quite a bit of analysis and research and everything else and there's so much that we didn't see or we didn't really have time to look into and i think that basically there's so many things that we're not doing that we should really be working on and i think that's it's pretty exciting that we we can
3: get there but i think it also changes like it's it's nice because to me it it changes the story from supporting the customers, you know, when they write in and they have a question to now supporting the businesses in their rollout, supporting them in terms of how to effectively use OnePassword. And it goes to me all the way back to what you you said at the beginning, right? The two of you wanted to be closer to the customers. And that's what I find so exciting is we get into the business space, like we can actually stay just that close to our customers cuz not only are we, you know, helping them through the trial, but we're actually helping them roll out OnePassword in many ways. You get to see them use it even closer than you know than we might have thought we could
0: that's something that we've always tried to do you know in in building the product is is have an outside opinion you know it's it's always difficult like you said to ask for people's time when we're building stuff and i I think you know i'm I'm really excited how this opportunity allows us to reach out to some some huge companies and say hey this you know this feature that we built for you uh, are you actually using it and how
3: and i think you know We'll be taking my doubling and we'll be doubling, you know, again and doubling again after that. And I think one of the nice things is, can we now accelerate that? Right. And again, it's a matter of putting more structure in place, which sometimes sounds, you know, sounds a little terrifying. But but that's that's the exciting part as well.
0: I think that's all we have time for. But uh, it's really interesting to see kind of how we've grown in in almost like really set stages of not quite doubling in the middle section but you know (laughs) but that idea of like how we started the middle section and then the future of where we're going is uh is is very exciting and yeah i I think we can absolutely put a pin in what we value as a company and i don't think this growth is really going to change those values which is which is really nice i absolutely want to say yeah thank you for joining me and thanks for for telling us this story. Thank
1: you for having us, Matt. This episode brought to you by One Password. <laughs>